When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you take back control of your mind, mood and mental health. In this episode, I interview best-selling author, top motivational speaker and couples counsellor Monica Berg on rethinking how we think about love, how to attract the love you want and how to rekindle love. Monica and I discuss some simple strategies for single, partnered and married couples on how to enhance the love they give, appreciate the love they receive and build the framework for a lasting and fulfilling relationship. This episode will challenge many of the misconceptions about what relationships are or should be and really help you find and keep the love that poets write about. If you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends, family, and on social media. And now, on to today's interview. Welcome, Monica Burke. I am so excited to interview you today. You have a beautiful book called Rethink Love, and it really is a beautiful book. It's a lovely, happy, good great information to help us understand the importance of love. And it's something I talk so much about. So I'm really excited to interview you. And thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Wonderful. Well, before we start, can you just tell my audience a little bit about you, who you are, and tell us something that's not in your bio and what motivates you to do what you do? Well, I am always seeking change. So I don't even know what's written in my bio at this point, because every day I try to well, I do. I check in with myself to make sure that I'm constantly challenging myself to seek after things that I'm curious about. By definition, I am now a change junkie, which I came into this world very opposite and very practical, You know, a very linear thinker. But I realized that the only constant is change. And although that's something we know, we tend to repel change when it comes because usually it's something that's forced upon us. Our first experiences with change are not usually welcome, right? They're usually a surprise. We're taken off guard and we're forced to do something we really don't want to do. And I think that especially now people are experiencing this kind of emotion and this feeling. But I thought about it and I'm a, a fast learner. I really look at everything that's happened in my life, every challenge, and I look for the silver lining. So when my second son was born with Down syndrome and I found out a few hours after his birth, I realized fully that I, I, first of all, I never wanted to feel like that taken off guard. And my reaction to it was more frightening than anything else. So I realized that I want to be somebody who's flexible, who meets and welcomes change. And now I'm really excited about it. So 
in a nutshell, that's really my mantra that in change, there's great power. I love that. I love that you have that flexibility. You said something so interesting there that when your son was born with Down syndrome, that it was the fear that you didn't like that threw you. It wasn't so much the diagnosis. I think there were many emotions. I mean, first, and I allowed myself to have the process, but I needed to mourn the child I thought was developing inside of my body and what I had envisioned my reality, you know, what that would be like. So I allowed myself to grieve in that way. And then I really didn't like my response. First, it was fear, which is understandable, but also I just wanted to go back to a better time, you know? And I realized that if you try to do that, then you also have to erase all the beautiful things that have happened along the way with the difficult things. And, you know, I happened to find out about Josh's disabilities on the day he was born, but I had a lifetime to discover his beauty. And most people experience life the other way around, right? We have a child, they look perfect and, and they're healthy. And then later in life, we discover the flaws, right? For ourselves too. So I realized that I wanted to embrace who he would become and subsequently who I would become. And for me to do that, I really needed to change the way that I thought about everything and the way that I embraced those. I mean, I was already on a spiritual path, but this was a big one. You know, I thought, how can I be a good mother? I'm not sure I can do this. And then I just leaned into it. And now I just seek change in every day. I mean, even if something was planned and then it's completely upside down, I'm like, okay, great. What's, let's do it. I, I'm able to now shift within a, a second, but that, that required a lot of practice. And do you think that your, your son's birth was that was the trigger, the epiphany moment for you to shift the way that you see life or handle life on a day-to-day basis? I think it was the catalyst. I mean, I've had other life changes, life-changing experiences, which I write. I write about everything in my book. I'm an open book. I have like zero secrets. And in my first book, Fear is Not an Option. It's also semi-autobiographical. And the first thing I, I ever feared was when I saw my uncle becomes schizophrenic, again, seemingly overnight because I was seven and nobody explained to me what was happening. It just looked like suddenly he lost his mind. And that was terrifying. And even if they had told me what was wrong, another fear would have set in, which is pregenetic disposition. You know, I would have been worried about other things, right? But with Josh, I think that I remember one day he was three months old and I was pushing him in a stroller. And it's those moments that really take you and can change your life if you're paying attention. And I ran into somebody from high school and it was a random a, a friend. I mean, not even really a friend, more of an associate. And I remember feeling shame and that I didn't want them to notice that he was different because then somehow they would think there was something wrong with me or I deserved a punishment, right? And then I caught that thought and I thought to myself, this is not who you want to be. And even though I was, again, on a spiritual path and I knew better, I, re- I caught the thought and I thought, no. I'm definitely, this is not enough for me. So then I, that was really when I started to actively pursue change and challenge anything that makes me uncomfortable now. I go and I run into it. I mean, not in a dangerous kind of way, but absolutely, it's the only way to become free. Oh, that's very good. What you just said there, you've got to actually capture that fear. It's the only way to become free. That's really, Let's look at freedom, really right? good. I mean, Freedom, we can all define this in very different ways. Everybody has a different definition of what freedom is, but ultimately it's not being brought down by any life situation or any circumstance. It's being able to choose a higher level perspective and find a beautiful gift in the most difficult things because then nothing plagues you, nothing upsets you, nothing limits you. 
Mm, that's incredible. So you still experience the emotions, but there's an internal sense of peace in the midst of the chaos. Of course. I love talking about emotions too. I have a chapter on that in the book. Because the thing is with emotions, I think that they have a very important place in our lives. Where we go wrong is that we associate ourselves with the emotion, right? So if we all have a designated emotion, and I've identified mine as sadness. So, you know, again, when I, with my uncle, you know, I became very sad. When my father, he was a millionaire and then he lost all his wealth, I was very sad. I had anorexia, the sadness, Josh sadness. So I started to realize when, when big things happened that I didn't like, I became sad. But what was interesting, because I'm not a sad person, I stopped and said, okay, what is the sadness showing me here? I realized that I felt sad when I felt like I had no control over a situation. And that was what created the sadness. And then when I realized, okay, well, I'm not going to be a victim. So where's the power in this, right? Here's the change, right? The power and change. I thought, okay, so if I, I feel out of control, let's pause and look at this objectively and look at what my options are, because there are always options. And then I replace sadness with empowerment. So you can do that with any emotion, whether it's anger, whether it's jealousy, what's really behind that. So emotions are great at giving us information. The problem is most people become their emotions and they stay there for far too long. That's extremely wise. Yeah, that's extremely good input. You know, I do I do research, as I mentioned to you just before we started talking, mind-brain research now for 38 years. And, and when we look at the clinical trials, we look at people's, what they're going through, the emotions, the, the issues, you look at the whole physiology, you look at so the story the body and the brain and all separate but inseparable. You see a pattern arising and you see that when people become their emotions, like you've just described, your brain just can't handle that. But when you actually can be more objective about your emotions and find, as you've just explained so beautifully, the underlying why, what does it mean, deal with it, run with it, etc. You find your peace. You still have those issues, but you're, you can see the brain and an unconscious mind starting to align and you see that shift. So it really does create, it's, the, it's just not, it's not that the brain is doing it. It's just, it tells you that the story is true. It just gives you some visual evidence that there is actually what you're saying is a reality. You know, it's fantastic. So I love the way you say that. Because if not, life happens to you and not through you. And I think that with each and every moment that we're here on this earth, you know, I, my biggest motivator for what I do is I don't believe in suffering. And so many people I see around me settle for a life that's mediocre. You know, it's, I call it the almost, you know, it's not horrible. It's okay. It's better than my neighbor or my best friend. You know, it's okay. I'm not going to rock the boat. No, rock that boat like out of the water. And really you can live a life where you wake up every morning excited about the opportunities that will unfold, even the ones you don't expect, even the ones that are difficult, right? That's the extreme of where we can go, but we can all get there. But you're not talking about walking around being happy about it all the time, but you're talking about having a sense of control and peace in the midst. Am I understanding you correctly? Exactly. You're never going to be happy all the time. And things are going, we are human beings having, having human experiences. And we're all in the middle of a process. And I think that when we acknowledge that with an aspect of kindness to ourselves, then when the things come up, though, you almost see the difficulties, even the upset as a great opportunity for a new level of elevation for yourself as a human being. And that's, that's the gift, right? That's the part that actually brings you the ultimate joy when you get at the end of that one particular process that you're in. But then there'll be another one because we're forever in a state of being in a process of something. Yeah, and it's going to be forever in the state 
of process of being something and going through something and changing. So that change, as you said, right in the beginning, we have to embrace because that's the thing that's really constant is the change. I mean, I'm, I'm all about making life easier for myself. So if you adopt that kind of mentality, right, then, you know, you will ultimately just be happier. Yeah, because it's not so tough because you've got, you've got your mindset around that. You prepared for it. So when it happens, yeah. it doesn't throw you. I often yeah. talk about something similar, but I call it freaking out in the love zone where you can <laughs> still, yeah, so you're still in that, that zone where you've got that sense of peace, but you can still express your emotions and you can still go, you need to, you need to go through the process but and then find the lessons and all that kind of thing, which is what you've been saying, which is so great. Now, you called your book Rethink Love, and I, I love that. Why Rethink Love? What inspired that title? Because it's a great title. So, I mean, I like to challenge people to rethink everything. My, my blog is called rethinklife.today. But I think that especially with relationships, we are raised in a culture where there's such an emphasis on romanticized love, right? And, and the most beautiful love stories, I mean, I have a few of my favorites, but it ends really where in reality, the relationship is beginning, you know? There was some kind of drama. They had a hard time finding each other. Then they walk off into the sunset and it's, you know, happily ever after. And in fact, when I read fairy tales to my youngest, you know, I changed, she's, she's reading now, but I changed what they are saying. Like, oh, she married Prince Charming. She lived happily ever after. I don't want her to, to be raised with the stories that I was raised with. So what I want people to do is, you know, and I identify different kinds of love. There's ego-based love versus unconditional love, which people, and we can talk about soulmates too. And it can be all very confusing, right? But ultimately, when you realize that at the core of the strongest relationships, the ones that will be the most successful, that will stand the test of time, starts with the most important and longest relationship you will ever have in your life. And that is the one you have with yourself. So for the first nine chapters of my book are all about how to cultivate that that romance with yourself, it becomes, it means you become your own friend. It means that you remove judgmental thoughts you have for yourself. It means that you challenge and create new belief systems and you become authentic ultimately, right? And, and you learn to be vulnerable. Now, all of these things that we really want in our romantic relationships, I mean, this list that I just said, that's what we're all looking for. It will be impossible to create that in a romantic relationship until you first have that for yourself. And it's never too late. Even if you know, you're in your 70s or widowed or divorced, I don't care what stage you're in. I did that work when I was 17 until I got married. I got married very young at 24, but we're going on our 24th wedding anniversary. That's great. I got married at 24 as well, and we're going on our 32nd wedding anniversary. So. Wow. We have <laughs> yeah. a lot of common. We do. Four kids, Four kids too. too. Yeah. Yeah. So I want, to, I want people to realize that your state of your life, of your romance, of your love is completely dependent on you. Only you are responsible for the quality of all of those things. And that's why I called it Rethink Love. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Maybe you just need to talk to someone. I recently discovered Better Help and think they're an amazing solution if you are looking for professional help with your mental health. Better Help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range 
range of expertise in BetterHelp's counsellor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. Visit trybetterhelp.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. That's trybetterhelp.com slash Dr. Leaf. And just for my listeners, get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link will also be in the show notes. That's very good. You are responsible for the quality of your relationships. And that's that fulfilling that understanding yourself first before you can really have a decent relationship is so important. You know, it's that concept of you go into a marriage. So many, we, you know this, we all know this. It's such common knowledge that people will often go into a relationship because they're missing something in themselves and expecting the other person to fix it. And everyone knows that doesn't work, but everyone still not everyone, a lot of people still do that. So I think you're trying to challenge that notion in your book when you talk about Rethink Love is, it's interesting because you've really focused on get to know yourself. Can you unpack it a little bit in a little bit more detail? Like, Absolutely. I mean, and, and by the way, I think that the first nine chapters of my book are the most difficult to read because I'm asking you to actually take this, first consider it, then take it in and then do something about it. Because I believe it's, it's a thought followed by immediate action. Because if you just think about something for too long, you know this with all of the things about neuroscience, nothing will shift or change. You're just going to spend your life thinking about you it. You just go in circles. You just, you, you just, yeah, you, just, you get on a hamster wheel. Exactly. So I, I start with talking about the big three, shame, blame, and guilt. And it's something that we all have. I was raised in a Middle Eastern home. There's plenty of it to go around. I can tell you that I completely do not have any of those emotions anymore, like zero. And again, it was work because when I had anorexia when I was 17, I mean, it was all about shame. I mean, I felt so uncomfortable in my body. I mean, if you think about the disorder in and of itself, I was starving myself to death. I mean, it doesn't go lower than that in terms of self-love and self-care. So... And, and what I'm really proud of also in this book, those first nine chapters, I did that work for seven years. And I think that after that, I was able to draw in my life's partner because I really did that work first. Far too often, as we were saying a few minutes ago, we look externally for the things that we think will make us happy. We look for people to validate us, to fulfill us, to make us love ourselves. When you know, And we know this logically, nobody can ever do that. So... I talk about the difference between validation and feedback. So validate, validation is when you assign somebody, and usually it's not consciously, to make you okay, right? They make you feel good about yourself. So for instance, if somebody isn't comfortable in their body and they are now dating somebody who says, I love you, you're the most sexy, beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life, then you might feel really good about yourself. Now, when that, let's say you break up and that's taken away, then you're left again with those feelings that you always had, right? And then you look for the next person to fulfill you in that way. Never going to work. Where feedback, feedback we're getting all the time in our lives, whether we want to or not, right? Feedback is somebody who is helping us make us better, which is okay, right? As long as you're okay on your own, sure, improvement, I'll welcome that. So it's a real fundamental difference. So I go through different things like that. That's excellent. Thank you for bringing that up. That's really, really good. Not many people really dive into that enough. I think that was really good. 
Right, right. And when you think about these things, then you can start to say, okay, where in my life am I doing this? And that's why at the end of each chapter, there's actually a workshop. So you can't really get off the hook here. Yeah, without, you know, you've got to do the work. Some of the other things I talk about at the beginning is feeling deserving of love. A lot of people have a long list of what they want from somebody else, but they really don't think they're deserving of it. And you can't have two opposing thoughts at the same time. You can't say, I want to be respected. I want to be loved unconditionally. I want to be you know, accepted and approved and not have that for yourself. So, it, it, And I give real life stories, examples of that as well. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Okay. How can this book help someone who's single? So, so that's what we just went over. The first part is called Me. It's in three parts, this book. And that is the building the foundations of where all the relationships will rest. And that's the relationship you have with yourself. So for somebody who's single, the immediate, I think, reaction is to go and make sure you're actively pursuing a relationship, whether it's online dating, devil dating. You know, we put ourselves through such uncomfortable situations to find a partner. But I'm asking you to do this uncomfortable work first, because this is what will bring you your mate without doubt. It's all of the energy you put into yourself, learning to love yourself will actually attract the real level of love you're looking for. Because if you search for somebody when you're broken, you're probably going to find somebody who's a little broken as well. Versus if you challenge yourself and you really become the best version of yourself, then you'll be able to choose better for yourself because you're not only looking from the perspective of your five senses of you know sight, smell, physicality, but now you're operating from a deeper level, which is your internal, which is the soul aspect which is connected to empathy and kindness and bigger picture goals and morals, right? So that's a more solid foundation too. That's the solid foundation. That's what takes you to 24 years to 31 years. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely does. And you, you, if I look at your, just that, I love the way you've organized the chapters. So you complete you and being true to yourself and be your own Mr. or Mrs. Right. I love that. Love and little changes. Your own personal baggage tikkun, your own personal baggage claim. Okay, let's talk about that one. Yes. Okay. So tikkun is a Kabbalistic concept. So Kabbalah is a spiritual study that I've been practicing since I was 17. A lot of the ideas are in this book, and it's just something that makes you think and elevate your consciousness. It talks about the complexities of the physical and non-physical world and how they coexist. It's about transformation and change. So tikkun basically is that the idea that everybody comes into this life with something they need to correct, right? So we can look at people and you can say, well, that person, you know, it's really obvious their correction's been money their whole life. They're lucky in love, but not so much in money. Or this person has a correction in commitment, right? They always pick people who are unavailable. So a relationship really brings about an opportunity for you to correct your tikkun, meaning that in the best, most healthy relationships, they offer, they, they're like a mirror to you, right? They show you those parts of yourself that you probably do need to change or that it would be best to work on. And that's why it's really uncomfortable to be in relationships also. But in the healthiest ones, you make each other better, right? But your vision of what you think they need to change is also their vision, right? You can't want them to be something they don't want to be. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to be really clear about that. So when you're in a relationship, then they're able to help you shine a light on those aspects of yourself that you rather not look at, but ultimately it's for your greatest good. 
And you can do that on your own as well. You can look at yourself as well. So when you, and you're working on yourself, you, you need to be able to, it's basically, so basically it's looking at yourself, seeing those things, being brave enough to deal with them and work, accept them and work through them. And embrace them. Exactly. So for somebody who has a problem committing, then even though they keep going after people that are unavailable, they force themselves not to do that anymore. So this process, and you know, you're working on your tikkun, the more uncomfortable you are in your decision. Okay, that's great. That makes sense. Okay, perfect. I wanted to jump to part three, elevating love, because it kind of links to what you've just said as well, because if you've kind of worked, well, all these things you've said are building towards that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So part three is we, and that is how to really have a successful relationship. There's a bunch of tools and tips in that. So with elevating love, that's about unconditional love versus ego-based love. And I also talk about something called the circle of creativity. So ego-based love, and I think that this is a problem, especially in society today where we find ourselves, people who look for, it's more of like a consumer mindset. Like this relationship is here to give to me, to make me happy, to offer to me. And while, of course, there's an aspect of that in the relationship, it's far more important to ask yourself, what are you offering, right? So I give this analogy in the book that let's say you have a farm and you go back every single day for fruits and vegetables and it feeds you and it nurtures you and provides for you, takes care of you. And you never go back to water it, to plant seeds, to nurture it, to help it grow. Will there be anything left to give you? No. And what happens at the stage of this of relationships when they're in marriage is that we tend to feel like if it's not working, it's because they're not giving enough to me. We don't actually stop and say, okay, where's my responsibility here? What am I, am I offering all the things that I expect to get back? What we want to become is an appreciator rather than a depreciator. Unconditional love means that you love somebody because they exist. You love who their soul is. It doesn't mean you love everything about them, but you love their essence. And from that place, that's again where you can help each other grow into your your ultimate potential. Oh, I love that. I really love that you you made that that statement is one of my favorite statements you've made so far that you love someone because they exist. Yes. I love right? that, that as as a definition of unconditional love. Not you don't have to like everything that they do, but you love them for who they are, their soul, their existence. In fact, you shouldn't like them for everything because then you're under an illusion and that spell will be broken at some point. You know, when people come to me and I'm like, okay, you know, what are some of the things that aren't, no, I love everything about them. Well, then I'm like, you don't know them well enough. <laughs> because, that's a good response. Yeah, it's impossible. So talk a little bit more about that because that's, a, give some sort of tip strategies, techniques around that, because I think that's a big issue. You know, we all talk about unconditional love, but do people really understand it? Because if you think of all the relational issues, it's so much about they didn't meet my need. And you've touched on that too. This whole not meeting my need, trying to get people to meet my need, working on myself, coexisting, loving the existence of someone, all feeds in together to how do you do this? Yes, because most people, again, are operating under ego-based love and they don't even realize it. So a quick way to get out of a space of ego, is, especially in arguments, let's say, is that to stop and say, okay, how does that person feel? What do they need? What are they trying to express? So to check where you are in terms of are you offering, are you in a relationship that's more ego-based or is it really unconditional is how many times do you put their thoughts or feelings before your own. Not that you don't see yours as well, but we tend to only see things through lens of self. It's natural. We see things through 
our eyes. We, we have to choose, though, to see it another way. And with unconditional love, there's no control in it. You know, I think a lot of times in relationship, people try to control the people they love. And if you do what I say or you do what I want, then you love me. No, that's still that's attached to ego. That's attached to controlling. Unconditional love, there's no space for that. It means that you allow people to have their process, even if you don't agree. You can have conversations about it. You can express your point of view, but it's to give them that freedom to be able to also choose for themselves. At the end of the day, nobody owes anybody anything. And in a relationship, you want to make sure you both still want to be there. You know, it's not enough that we're married and we don't believe in divorce or we have to stay together forever because that's what I was taught. No, you know, again, the goal here is a happy life. Okay. And a romantic relationship, a love relationship is a big part of that or not. Right. So that's the opportunity here. I love that. I love that. How many, you know, when you're in that situation, because it's so difficult when you're in an argument, it's always about, this is how the, you know, you get so consumed with your own emotions in the moment and your own reactions that you actually have to make a very conscious, deliberate decision to actually choose to think about the other person in that moment. And that's a neutralizing, that's going to neutralize the situation because it actually removes you from yourself for a moment so you can be objective. Exactly. And it's, I like the way you said you need, you need to actually be aware. So it's a lot of deliberate content, conscious, deliberate, intentional thinking, which is something that I teach in my work all the time and that I've tested in my clinical trials. When you get into that mode, that's when you find yourself actually operating in the correct kind of love. And it elevates love, right? Because now you're in a, at an elevated state elevated consciousness. And from that place, you have a higher perspective and you're able to now say, okay, I have emotions about this, but I I'm able to see clearly at the end of the day, everybody wants to be heard. Your partner wants the same things you want. And by yelling about it, you're not going to get just it. It just makes it worse. I'm just thinking of a situation where even if it's not your partner, maybe it's a friend or it's a child or it's a whatever work colleague, just the minute that you, you kind of have got in the pattern of going head to head, but then suddenly now you in that, but you stop, you actually deliberately and consciously, okay, how do you feel about you shift? So you neutralize yourself and you actually focus on the other person. It's immediately going to make the other person think, hey, they care enough about me. They're tuning into me. They, it's going to shift the whole mood and the tone. And that's really unconditional love. And they also won't feel like they're being attacked, right? I mean, whenever anybody feels that, of course, their guard is going to go up. They're not really going to hear anything you have to say because they feel like they have to defend themselves. Another chapter in this section is called spiritual sparring because. I Talk worry about, when glad people, you brought that up. Yeah, that's great. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Because I feel like it kind of is connected to this. When people don't fight in a relationship, I'm really concerned because it means you don't care enough or you're not passionate enough. I mean, I remember when one of my children's friends' parents were getting divorced, her kids were really perplexed. They said, you know, our parents never fought. They were shocked. They, had, they didn't even see where it was coming there from. There was no fight. Yeah, no preparation. No. Yeah. And I, yeah. I said to my own children, like, listen, let me explain this to you. This is, this is not a good thing. You know, let it be a warning. And, and I think that the key here is that everybody needs to find a fighting style. When I got married, I brought in what I saw in my own home, which was, again, we were, we were Middle Eastern. I saw a lot of screaming and yelling. And I just thought that that was the way. And my husband's style was one of shutting down. So you could see how when we would fight, it would just escalate. I forget it. I don't even know what we were fighting about anymore. I was just, I would get more and more upset because it looked like he wasn't listening to me. So there's two things. One, I think it's really important, and I'm sure you can add to this, is to discuss what's happening on a physiological level. Because when men's heart race rates are raised in an argument, they actually do need to sit in front of a TV or something to calm and, and themselves why. down. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
that doesn't do it for us as women. We like to talk and to scream and to express. And by doing that, we're able to calm down. So, right, it's two different things that we need. So just by understanding that, I think, will allow us to give a little benefit of the doubt and a little bit of an opening to say, okay, I need to rethink this, okay? Again, there's that theme of rethinking. And then to come together and say, okay, when we fight, this is my style. I see that this is your style. What is it that you feel when I express myself in this way? Let them explain and vice versa. How would you like to have a conversation? For the most part, and it's another Kabbalistic tool, I believe you should wait three days because after three days, your emotion, your anger, all of that has been removed because now you've calmed down. It's actually three days that happens. And then you're left with what the core issue is still. And you can talk about that from a proactive space rather than a reactive one. And so important to repair because if not, you'll bring in every last argument that was left unsettled to the current one. And that builds resentment. Before we continue today's episode, I want to tell you about a new hair care brand I just started using and absolutely love. Function of Beauty is hair care that is formulated specifically for you. No matter your hair type, they create shampoo, conditioner and treatments to fit your unique needs. How unique you ask? Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure your formula is as unique as you. Here's how it works. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz and tell them a little about your hair. Next, Function of Beauty's team determines the right blend of ingredients, then bottle your custom formula to order. Then they deliver your personalized formula right to your door in a cute customized bottle with your favorite color and fragrance. They even print your name on it. Plus, their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. Function of Beauty is not just the first ever custom hair care brand. It is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real five-star reviews and counting. So, what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com slash drleaf to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash drleaf for 20% off and to let them know you heard about it from our show. That's functionofbeauty.com forward slash drleaf. And you've got to learn from that. You've always got to, whenever my husband and I have, and it does, I mean, you have arguments. And I've also said the same thing that you've said in, doing, in my therapeutic practice too. When people come and tell me they're not arguing, uh, there's, there's a problem. The thing <laughs> is, is with you've got four kids, I've got four kids. What's really important is not the argument, is the resolution. And that's something that we were very, always try to make very clear to our kids. And there would be times we would be, where my husband and I would get argue about something stupid and both with Italian backgrounds kind of fiery and whatever and my I'll never forget my kids turning around to me all of them have said it at some point you know you're just going to say sorry so you may as well just calm down and say sorry now and you know get to that point and, and explain why you're arguing and do that whole thing now so that we can miss the first part you know so when it was great because our kids actually then learned how to see the resolution and it wasn't like oh my parents are, are fighting it's the end of the world they're going to get divorced they saw the resolution and we made the decision from the beginning of our marriage that we wouldn't go to sleep without resolving an issue mm-hmm. so we had to stay up all night and sometimes it would take <laughs> days to and maybe the same thing kept coming up because it has done that and it takes you time to unpack and learn and whatever but it's it's the desire to because the person exists i love that so much that statement the person exists you love them enough because they exist so it's worth even if you never agree on everything and that's what we can we found that really helpful for our marriage is to agree to disagree and to respect the other person's point of view 
And that I find very important because in a lot of religious circles, it's like you've just got to submit your own feelings and you've just got to, there's like these rules that you have to follow. But it's okay to disagree with your husband or your wife on certain things because it will bring a point of respect for each other's and it stretches you. It's good for your brain and your mind and your relationship. And well, that's my five cents. You stimulated that uh, little soapbox thing. <laughs> I agree that. Don't you think it's, I would be so bored if my husband agreed to everything I said or agreed with everything I thought. I want to be challenged. I want to new ways of thinking and being. And again, I think that in relationships where people feel that you need to agree and need to come to an agreement, it's because they don't really know what they believe. And again, they need to feel validated and they only get that if their partner agrees and they're right. It's some kind of, they need to be right. They need to be right because they're so invested in that for other reasons. If you know who you are and you know what you believe, then challenges are actually kind of welcome. It's interesting. I like to hear different ways of thinking and being because maybe I'll adopt a new idea that I had or see it in a different way. I think that's very exciting. It's very important for us. And we see that to grow. You speak about change and growth a lot in in what you do. And that you can only change if you are challenged. And, you know, so you you can't just have the same old same and think you're going to grow. And then you just hit that plateau and that your marriage is not going to be satisfactory. It's not going to be. 32 years later, I can honestly say I'm more passionately in love with my husband than I ever was. It's not like we haven't gone through a lot of ups and downs and four kids and, and differences of opinion, And but it's it's made us stronger because we made that decision. So when you talk about that unconditional love, I love how you describe that difference between unconditional love and the ego-driven. Ego. Yeah, incredibly important for people to to understand that difference so important. There's so many things that you're stimulating so many things in my mind here to ask you. So how would you say that this book's filled with advice in terms of someone who's, you can, this book can help someone who's single, who's in a relationship, who's in a marriage, in a marriage that's breaking down. How would you say it's going to help them do that? Could you, I know we've spoken about a lot of things, but kind of tie it together with some simple strategies, techniques, guidelines. I think that in each and every situation, it's going to I think it's definitely going to challenge people to stop and look at the state of the relationships or the state of where they are in life and be honest with themselves. I think that the biggest thing, and I, I find this, I actually find this to be the most challenging with people I work with, is that they've been lying to themselves for so long and they're so invested in that lie. They don't even realize it's a lie because listen, you lie enough to yourself that will become your reality, that will become your truth. But and then they don't understand why they're miserable, right? And then they're so far deep in it that they don't know how to get out. So I always say, just start by being honest with yourself. Let these things that you read open your mind and just give yourself permission to access that place in yourself because we all have the answers of you just being able to hear it. And for people who have assigned other people to be the authority on their lives, their voice is almost inaudible because everybody else's is really magnified because they're so used to doing that, right? We do that as a, as a culture. We raise our children like that too. This is a police officer. You must listen. He knows best. The doctor knows better than you for your own body. You have to listen to the lawyer. Okay, yes, there's a healthy place for all of these things. And yes, we do need advice. We do need feedback. But at the end of the day, it's your body. It's your life, right? You, you know what's best for you, but you, you need to start to turn that louder. Now, the way to do this so that it's not scary, I just say, just be honest and then don't do anything with it. Now, it's against the way I believe. And ultimately, I want people to adapt that kind of lifestyle of being a change junkie and radical change and immediate. But just start with giving yourself honesty and the permission to do nothing with it. Because I find when you take that pressure off of yourself, you're going to be more available 
and you're going to be more willing to do these exercises. That's really good. I hope the viewers heard that because that's being honest, because that lying to ourselves, that's a huge issue. I totally agree with you there. Like Monica, that's massive, but it's being honest with yourself and then just allowing it to rest for a while because it's quite a lot to deal with, isn't it? Once you see these things and then doing it guilt, not in a judgmental way, in a guilt-free way, in in a shameless way. And and no regret, right? So when we tend to really see truths, especially if you've been doing it for 50 years or 60 years, it's going to be even more painful. However, it's never too late. You can push restart at any time. In fact, I tell people, you know, a lot of people write off their days, you know, today was a horrible day, tomorrow will be better, or I can't wait till it's five o'clock or, and that's why people over drink or over medicate or whatever it is, because they think that they, this is, that's it. It's, it's done. I've written it off. No, restart your day. You had a bad morning. So at 11, you realize that you're not enjoying it. Instead of waiting for tomorrow at 1101, start again. Then if it didn't start again at 12, I mean, that is our power, our, are, we are so powerful. We underestimate our ability to redirect our lives. Oh, we, the power that is within us is unreal. unreal. The power that we have to, if we can just have take the take the blinkers off and just like dig deep. It's just you know, Monica, you make me excited because when I do this research that I'm doing, we see when people really do this when they take the blinkers off. When you give yourself permission to dig deep, you your brain gets excited. You see this, you, you actually get high levels of what we call theta energy, which is called a healing wave, and it just like literally flows through your brain, and then that stimulates a lot of learning. So you actually start going into and you see the learning wave flowing. And I mean, all these waves, they're energy. It's just your brain generating energy in response to your thinking, but they are all coordinated and balanced and they and there's like an almost optimized way that when we do these kind of things we're optimizing so your brain responds so everything you've described we've seen that when you use your mind properly you use your your body responds it's what you it's what we need it's what we design for i'm so charged by our conversation but i've gotten i've gotten the chills a few times and just talk because i'm excited about this right and we're speaking the same language and i love when science and spirituality merge they're the same thing. They're the same thing. Science and spirituality, just two sides of a coin. And I call it the binoculars, binoculars of falsehood. You know, if we remove those, then we can see things for what they really are. And when you do, that's when your life really begins to work for you. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's been, I agree with you. I'm so charged by this conversation. It's been a lovely conversation. It's been so good. And we'll have to do it again. I'm going to ask you a fun question just to wrap up. What about dating apps? So I think you'll know, you probably can assume what I'm going to say about this. I think that it's great effort, sure, but I think that it can make us choose from the wrong parts of ourselves where it's just our five senses and that looks good and we make very quick judgment calls. And I just don't think it gives the opportunity for us to really go deep. I I think try everything. I just don't think that I would put all my eggs in that basket. And and there's the other thing that I, I think is an issue is that there's so many options that it gives people a false sense of like, oh, there's limitless options and I don't need that person. That one thing bothered me and that's not the one of that. It's like so much variety, right? That you don't dig deep enough to maybe find you want this perfection and you, you're gonna, you could get stuck in a mode of looking for perfection that is not really there. Because you're and looking for something so to so many options, you. you're not going to appreciate. Even if you find something nice, like, well, is that the best thing? Like, let's say you saw a basket of strawberries and you know that there's like a strawberry field. Let's say this basket is nice. And I actually, that one looks really good and I want to taste it, but I'm, there's a field there and I'm so curious about it. I'm going to go there, you know, and it, and it leads you down this like path that's never ending. And 
I think people can miss a lot of amazing opportunities. Like that. I like that answer. I like that very much. There's a, a, a series that my one daughter and I were watching in the sauna. I have a sauna. I'm a big fan of saunas. And, Me and, too. And, and, the oh, sauna? Yes, yes. I yes, have one in my home. Me okay. too. Me, it's, every, it's our everyday routine. Okay, we got Me lost too. in common. I swear. <laughs> That's where I unwind. Oh, that's so funny. I love it. I love my infrared sauna. And it does so many good things for us. But my daughter was, one daughter was in the sauna with me. And she said, mom, let's watch this. Love is blind. Love is blind. <laughs> and I, as you, I was thinking that's so cool because there they had to get in. There was no, the, the, the no physical, but they had to get in touch with the person. There was a, yes, I know the experiment. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't really right but the basic principle of actually getting to know a person for who they are that deeper stuff was actually really interesting yes i don't know yes. if you found onto that- something for sure i think that they've taken away the five senses so now you have to operate from a different part right which is and they're turning that on but i also think you need the five senses which is how this might be interesting but i love that we're doing a, a, an extreme shift the other way because i haven't seen that before no it's the first time that's what fascinated me so as soon as we started talking i thought i want to bring that up somewhere in the conversation and then you watch the two how's this we'll just have to do this again it was amazing a thousand percent i would love to i would I love to. it thank you so much thank you for your time and your wisdom and i love your book thank you for writing it and i'm excited to talk again and stay safe and yes yes you too till the next time thank you i hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful if you want more tips and help with managing anxiety depression and mental health be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.